senescence of getting old. You have to provide for your old age. This is a time barrier that we're all confronted with. So please see this as a time vector. Also on the top, the inventor and the entrepreneur. But this is the young person. Could be the son. This is the father. Or the older person could be the father. Unless you were born rich. He is short of wealth. He hasn't built up any wealth. What's he long of that? He's long. In future. Income. Say again? Income. Yeah, exactly. For, you're not supposed to give the answers. This is something said. Yeah. <laughs> I was just iterating. And the new Tantus, the old person, he's, he's of course, he's, well, hopefully, and in normal circumstances, he's already built up some wealth in the form of a pot of gold. Huh? Imagine that. He's long gold, he's long wealth. What's he short of? Income. Income, yes. Now, of course, he can just take a coin and go to the shop and wait. Uh, wait until his last moments, uh, I suppose, in that way. But at this stage, zero interest. That's the maximum they can do. Hoard. And hoarding at zero interest, just said, this is what medieval times. Medieval times where it was. <coughs> A usury ban, interests were for all intents and purposes zero. So people had to um, work, hoard, 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 and eat if they were able to. Of course, of course, life is not so simple because you get kings and princes who came to steal all the wealth, but never. <coughs> Um, there's two more participants. One is the inventor and the other one is the entrepreneur. And together they form the square of a capital market, at least the beginning of a capital market. Inventor belongs here and the entrepreneur belongs here. What's he short of and what's he long of? Ask yourself these questions. I will go. I mean, we have time constraints. I will quickly do it for you. <coughs> the, well, we've seen this. Um, The younger person needs to convert income into future wealth. Oh, oh, wrong button, Peter. There you go. The annuitant needs to convert wealth into income. What does the inventor need? He needs also income. And he needs to convert that into future wealth. Now, let's just to, just to explain here. A simple example. How does this work? 
Imagine you're young, you have a bright idea. This is the fishing community. They use fish hooks. And the inventor tells the community, look, hold on, please give me a week of your time. And I'll come up with something. And they do. They stop work for a week. They make fishing nets, which is basically some capital. And he gets capital from the entrepreneur of the new and in that week, they use the capital and apply that in order in a, in a tool and a fishing net, so that the fishing becomes a lot more efficient. And now, instead of working Saturdays and Sundays, they can take weekends off, thanks to the efficiency of the fishing net. So, a simple example to demonstrate that. The inventor is long his ideas, his long future wealth. Fishing nets are the formation of, of, of capital, intellectual capital, and, and, and other. And the entrepreneur, what's his role? Well, the entrepreneur is also an older person, um, and he needs wealth. And he needs that to convert that into future income. The entrepreneur and the annuitant form an alliance. Uh, we've seen yesterday that we can um, do some arbitrage because what, what, what does the entrepreneur do? He writes he writes bonds. His signature appears on this loan document, if you like. And what we have here in the formation of capital is the... And here's where you need some um, financial algebra. I'll admit, this is the only maths that you need right now. Financial algebra. You need to understand interest and compound interest. The entrepreneur has a choice. He, he can do lots of ventures. He knows he can take on a lot. So he does his picking and choosing in, in, in <coughs> certain um, businesses. But of course, before he, he needs the capital from those who have capital accumulated, which are the older persons. So he signs his bond because at an interest rate. The interest rate is what he puts his signature on, 5% for us, let's say. And what does the um, entrepreneur do? Well, he basically chooses or does arbitrage between rates of interest and rates of return on a venture. You can pick and choose out of many ventures. And I will explain it this way. The entrepreneur, this is the interest rate. The entrepreneur does some arbitrage. He is 
choosing certain ventures and at a certain interest rate. For all intents and purposes, this is the weighted average cost of capital, well known to certain of you, if you have had business schools, the weighted average cost of capital, that is what you pay for your capital. The WAC, the WC. I see some blank stairs. Um, no? The weighted average cost of capital is the cost that you need you know, when you go to the bank. And you say, look, I want to buy this, uh, this shop. Oh, fine. I'll borrow you 100,000 and uh, you pay me at an interest rate of that. That is your ba basically, if you have no, you, you could have your own capital. And even if you don't borrow money and you bring in your own capital, and the entrepreneur is an old person, he can bring his own capital, he still expects a certain rate of return. He expects, as an old person, I need to, you know, I need to eat. So I need 5%. Can I make with this business venture more than 5%? Because that, that, that would be the cut rate. Anything above 5, which is the cost of capital, would be profitable for him. That would be, okay, fine, we'll, we'll, we'll go ahead. Of course, 6 is even better, 7 is even better, 10 is, is marvelous. Of course, when there are profit opportunities that offer 10% um, minus the cost of capital at 5, and, and there's, there's, there's a difference of 5, he'll attract attention and competition so that spread gets traded close and opportunities will disappear quickly. But never mind, this is how to explain the model. Well, this is the role of the entrepreneur. Everybody with me? Still? Okay. Um, we're doing for time? Got about five minutes. Five minutes, fine, that's enough. We can see now that the annuitant with a D, the younger person and the inventor there have um, a they're in business together in the sense that they are in the formation of research and development future wealth future wealth is research and development right? and the other half of um, the square model, the annuitant with a T, basically the older people uh, with an and an entrepreneur, they're, they're busy, their field is the formation of capital. Not only can we see the left-right division here, we can also see um, another division. Namely, that on the bottom we can see that these four people, that the uh, partnership to supply credit would be the persons in the form of the annuitant with a T and a D. They supply credit to those who utilize credit. But they can only give credit when you have an interest rate. If interest rates drop to zero, there is no credit. And these people, the inventor and the entrepreneur, will be out of business. They will be. They have no job at zero interest. 
just think of what's happening today with dropping interest rates. And lo and behold, we have massive amounts of unemployment. Could there be a connection? We'll come to that to the second, uh, in the second part. Let's first finish this very basic square model. Because I'm not uh, finished and I will... Um, introduce another one. We have started from a square model, but this model is far from perfect. We need another protagonist. In fact, what has happened so far were the annuitant and the entrepreneur, they were looking for each other. They were business opportunities and they formed partnerships. But what happened to this marginal annuitant who couldn't find a partner in the entrepreneur? Missed his opportunity, somehow, possibly. Same here. The annuitant with a D who missed his opportunity to go into enterprise with an inventor. What about those people? Well, if you enter, oh, well, I should say first, yeah, discipline of mine, okay. There is, um, before I introduce the, um, the fifth protagonist, I should stress that there is asymmetric bargaining. Asymmetric bargaining in the sense that at all times these people can survive at zero interest. But the others can't. That's why that's there is no um, asymmetric, symmetric bargaining position. If we enter, however, um, one more person, the capitalist, and, and I know capitalist, the word capitalist has sometimes this bad connotation. You should, you should look at this. I, I offer you, well, Basically, the professor offers you another look at the meaning of a capitalist. That capitalist forms a troika between the inventor and the entrepreneur. This is a very powerful troika because his position is to look for those entrepreneurs and inventors who have missed their opportunity to get in touch with a partner. And he will look for partners for them. He, that, that person, the capitalist, will supply that for them. He's a market maker, he's a specialist. And now, how does that happen? Well, the specialist is breaking monopolies and reducing interest rates. Because of course this is direct bargaining, but if you enter the capitalist there is indirect bargaining and he's able to break that monopoly. It exists in, in linear relationships and he brings down the interest rates. That's his job. 
think of a capitalist in this way, and you will arrive at the understanding that what's the word? Uh, capitalists are not exploiters because they provide essential services to um, to these pro four protagonists. And the professor uses the words that the capitalist is a liberator of inventive talent. Does everybody see this? A capitalist is a liberator of inventive talent because he's, he's looking for opportunities for the inventors and the entrepreneurs also. At this stage, we're ready to, um, are we going a few minutes over time, but never mind, we, we started a bit later here. We'll enter the final protagonist, which is the investment banker. The investment banker is the partner of the annuitant, with a T and a D, and his role is to do exactly, or in a symmetrical way, what the capitalist does. Those annuitants with a T and a D who missed an opportunity to get into partnership with an entrepreneur, whereas it used to be the entrepreneur used to miss his opportunity with the annuitant, well, reverse the roles now. And he is the go-between there. That is his role. Now his function is, is, is basically clearing and brokering between the other five participants, and he matches maturities, maturities of those bonds. Those bonds written by the entrepreneur, his signature. I mean, remember, he is short of capital. He gets the capital from here. So he puts his signature, right? That's his bond. And that has a certain maturity. Now, there's thousands of entrepreneurs who are willing to write who underwrite or put their name, they put their good name and signature under a certain venture, which is, in essence, a cash flow generator. All businesses are cash flow machines. And the cash flows that he's engaging in, um, they could be for a certain annuitant, but if you put in a capitalist and an investment banker, it becomes a bit more abstract. You don't even have to know who's the other partner. Nobody knows in the end, but, of course, there is a commitment. You know, you have to pay that dividend, you have to pay that, well, in the case of uh, interest, you have to pay uh, interest. Now, as soon as I put my signature under this cash flow machine, you and I, I am obliged to pay you X percent. Remember, um, I, need, I need something longer. I'm going to use this. If you, don't under, if, if you haven't had a course in financial algebra, this is what you need to take home. Interest and present values are related. Okay, this is the most of maths that you will encounter today. 
present values PV I'm not sure if you are aware with the maths um, anyway this is not that important present values are expressed in a formula we have a cash flow over n periods at a certain interest or discount which is a terminology used in but notice the equal sign. So this, if we speak about equilibrium, this should be an equilibrium. If I sign for a 5% bond, I have to pay a number, n numbers of cash flows at this percentage every month to get to, to the present value of today. If I want 100,000, I need to, over 10 years, I need to divide that with compound interest. So, what happens after I've signed? The investment banker or anyone could go out and put my good signature in the market. And for some reason, Interest rates are now not 5% anymore, but they are 4. I still have to pay 5, but what does it do here? Remember, if the interest rate drops, the present value of my bond, paying 5, goes up. Of course, if the interest rate rises, the present value of that bond drops. Normal, right? That is what you need to take home. If you don't understand interest rates and compound interest, the present value is inversely correlated to the interest rate. If interest rates, for some reason, go up or down, the present value moves along. So the banker can put my bond into the market and sell it. As soon as I've signed, he sells it. Half an hour later, it's sold. Half an hour later, the interest rates have moved. Have moved down. What will be the present value of my bond? Well, I'm paying 5% and everywhere else in the market, they're paying 4 Obviously, my bond is worth a lot more. The present value of that bond has gone up. Yes? Everybody is with me still? Okay. Good. That's all I want. We're still uh, talking about a gold uh, bond system. Now, this is how I have added a little creative um, entrepreneurship of myself in this um, hexagonal model. We have six participants so far. The market cannot be improved, or the capital market cannot be improved any further. But, if you take away just two lines, bear with me, here we are, and I put on a few more lines, and we have zero interest, we have a ceiling for the interest rate, we have a floor for the interest rate, and look what happens. Who's this, who is influencing the ceiling and the floor, I mean, Menger, two rates, 
even in interest. It's not Mises who says there's one interest rate. Well, under this hexagonal model, which is a very simple way of presenting a very complex given in, in, in society, we can, we can actually reduce it to a visualization. Here we are. What's driving interest rates up or down? The ceiling. We, we, well, hang on. We know that investment bankers are in the Troika with the annuitant and, you know, this one. And they push up the floor. That's, that's their job. That's what they do. And the capitalist is bringing it down. So these opposing forces, <coughs> they don't generate equilibrium, forget it. But they are opposing forces and they, they're, they're constantly working to narrow this spread. This is, so the, the capitalist's role and the investment banker's role are essential in narrowing the spread. Please understand, without them, there's a huge spread. Which is neither good, which is not good to anyone. Now, if you look at the top rate, why did I put there marginal productivity of capital? Well, the ceiling rate, you will see, is determined by marginal productivity of capital, which means that bond rates. Remember, bond rates can go up and down. But I have a choice as an entrepreneur. I have a choice. I have to pay a certain cash flow at a certain interest rate. But if rates rise here, the, the WAC, the weighted average cost of capital, is still there. You know that's 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 kind of fixed. And at certain at a certain stage, I need to understand, and, and the entrepreneurs understand only only too well. Well, what do I do with this? Can I take the money to the bank, or will I go and get into a business? From here, I can get five percent, no gray hair. Here, I can get four percent. Why am I doing this? I can get seven percent. Okay, it's maybe worth my while to get gray hair because you're doing the arbitrage. Obviously, when you get from your venture 4% and the interest rate is 5%, right? you are the marginal one, remember? You sell out, you say, I'll get this. I'm not getting gray hair for nothing. I'm losing my shirt. So you're selling out. You are buying back your bond. You see? You're buying back your bond. One after the other, you're selling out the bond, and that pushes up, well, that, that would form the ceiling. Nobody can push up interest rates any further. Everybody with me? 
Say again? We should break, yes. I can see by the faces. <laughs> um, let's have a coffee break here. Um, question time? I'll finish this in the second lecture. Plus, I apply the very same model to a fiat credit system and formulate, credit, uh, formulate critique on uh, the fiat system as we know it in monetarism and in Keynesianism. Thank you. See you just now.